Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Take action today for a healthier tomorrow with Everly Well. Their at-home lab tests and vitamins and supplements can help you get the knowledge and support you need so you can become a healthier you. Everly Well is digital healthcare designed for you, all at an affordable price. With over 30 at-home lab tests, you'll be able to choose the test that makes the most sense for you to get the answers you need, like the women's health test or food sensitivity test. Here's how it works. Everly Well ships the products straight to you with everything needed in one package. To take your at-home lab test, simply collect your sample and use the included prepaid shipping label to mail your test back to a certified lab. Your physician-reviewed results get sent to your phone or device in just days. And if you order vitamins and supplements, you can start adding them to your daily routine right away. I had done the women's um, health panel before, but I did the food sensitivity test with Adam, my husband, and the results came back just right on my cell phone. And it turns out he has a lot more things that he might be mildly sensitive to. But it turns out I'm not highly sensitive to anything. Just a few things to look out for. Apparently my black tea, maybe. But <laughs> but what do you do with these things when you get the results? Simply try cutting them out and see if you feel better. And for listeners of the show, Everly Well is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash OC. That's everlywell.com slash OC for 20% off your next at-home lab test. everlywell.com slash OC. Welcome to the OC Bitches. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the OC Bitches. Yay. It's nice to see you in person. You too. I know. I've been out of town for a month. I know. Between getting COVID, you being out of town, I Uh, feel like- Maybe two months since I've seen you. It's something month like and that. a half. It feels like it's. It really is different doing it remotely than it is in person. Oh, absolutely. I had delays. It was very awkward. <laughs> it was not great. So yes, bear with us. Thank you all still for listening. But today we are on season three, episode thirteen, the potster. Now, but we have a special guest because we're going to go back in season. Uh, three episode seven the anger management Mm -hmm. we had the subways on they played in the bait shop yes and and today we have billy lunn and charlotte cooper oh you're a cooper from the band (laughs) oh my gosh it's like what 18 years later and we still are talking about this but thank you so much all the way from england um welcome thanks for doing this thank you you so so much much. it's amazing to be here thank you yeah we're (laughs) so happy to have you on and like she said all the way from england with the news of the queen's passing today kind of a big day over there i would imagine i think it just happened about an hour ago as we're recording or they've released it anyway or released it yeah but thank you for waiting for harry sorry i think they were waiting for harry to get back I think that's why. Oh. We well, I was going to ask because I saw that he's there, right, in mm. England now. Yeah, Balmoral, I think he was he was due to sort of travel into. And then once he arrived at Balmoral, they were like, right, everyone's here and we can kind of 
um, uh, announce it officially, but everyone kind of got the gist anyway, by the way, that the media was speaking about her mm. and, and, you know, prepping everything. And uh, I think the official announcement was just waiting for Harry and Meghan to, to uh. arrive at Balmoral. So. Okay, I see. So you think she probably passed within the past few days or so? Uh, well, probably today, yeah. Today. She's definitely oh. been ill. She's been ill for a long time. So. so maybe she was waiting for Harry and then she was like, okay, I can go now. Aww. Yeah, I think she's been sort of bedridden. I, I know that she was like short of breath and, and using her cane a lot. Yeah. What a remarkable, I mean, I think it's obviously close. So it's your home, but even, I don't know, I've just gained such a huge affection for the woman. And I know that the crown, the show is controversial in, in, in that respect, but there's something that deeply respectful about the life that she lived. Very much so. Like she's, even if you're like not a monarchist, if you're like a Republican, uh, she's still a very kind of, um, totemic figure in, mm. in the UK and mm-hmm. uh and, and not just like as a royal but kind of very grandmotherly as well so right. uh, I think I think that's how people are affected because every year at Christmas we have the Queen's speech and mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff so and everyone does switch on because it's just something that families do at Christmas so um yeah it's going to be a strange Christmas for everybody well, yeah and I think there's something to be said for a woman you know being in charge <laughs> for almost a century yeah. so you haven't had a king in almost a century that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. it's already quite patriarchal with how, like, the parliament is set up and how, sure. you know, mm-hmm. even just 10 years ago, if a woman would stand up to speak in parliament, men would be mooing, uh, <gasps> you know, typically on the conservative benches. It's despicable. Oh. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So having the queen there, you know, she commanded a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. And there, there has been, you know, uh, she's kind of instilled a, a sense of respect for women that maybe wouldn't wouldn't have uh, been otherwise if it, if it was a king so it's going to be interesting to see how like the the patriarchal shift um hmm. is going to manage itself oh man oh. well sending the best over yes. there bless her oh, bless, bless her and her goodness. family yes yes, yes. Well, you americans look- have been so considerate and you know uh especially <laughs> online everyone's been like oh we're thinking of the uk it's like, oh. Oh, well guys. she just looks like a grandma everybody would want to have you know, Definitely. like I just, that's anyway, from my opinion. But okay, so we're here today. Yes. <laughs> a little something called the OC and you guys were on and played the bait shop, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. Do you remember doing it? Do you remember your experience, how it was? Any any tidbits from that time? Can I first ask, just to correct, because what was the timeline? Because you released your album Young for Eternity in 2005, but the episode aired in 2005 and then you released it in the US in 2006. So do you remember the timeline? Yeah, well, we were, because we released the album in 2005 and because, you know, like the the rock scene in the UK was just really kicking off in the early noughties. Um, So, you know, we recorded our album and I remember we signed our deal with Warner Records in 2004 and they're like, right, studio, out now. (laughs) Um, And we were touring the UK and we had no real kind of like, no plans to go anywhere else I suppose maybe a few European shows just to kind of like dip our toe in the water and that kind of thing um and then all of a sudden we booked the OC and then the American branch of Warner Records were like hmm that might work really well (laughs) you know I can remember being at LAX after um the shoot and just turning to our manager and thinking god I think we might be back here pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, I think you might. (laughs) So when you came to the U.S., it was your first time in the U.S. for the show? Totally. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. To to come and do the show, it was our our very first time. 
um, to come over as a band, which was just mind blowing. You know, it's just, and we kind of knew the the legacy of the show and were fans of the show, and um, you know, the sort of bait shop with this really cool thing to be a part of, and all the other bands that have been featured. And we, I think, we just couldn't quite believe that it was happening to us. You know, like it was just incredible. I read an interview that you guys described getting picked up at the airport and you were, you know, you would have been fine in any place, but that you stayed in some home over the ocean. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, I remember us arriving. I I was still living with my parents. Like, we were so <laughs> young when we started the band. I was still living in my parents' council house. Oh, wow. Uh, when we got picked up to go to the airport in the UK and then we flew over and all of a sudden there were like palm trees. <laughs> never seen a palm tree before. Uh, so we got we got to the hotel and uh, we were like, ah, oh, you know, we're, we're all kind of uh, a little bit jet lagged and it was the morning. And we went for a, a breakfast, sat outside. And I, I, I used to eat meat then, so I was like, I'm going to have an American steak. So we all sat outside eating our steaks. And this crow came and landed on my shoulder. No. Yeah, it was. it felt kind of like, uh, I don't know, like a name, and I suppose, yeah, but yeah. It was, um, it it was a real shift for us, like a total different world. Um, and then we arrived at the studio, and we were just like, "Oh my god, are we ready for this?" <laughs> <laughs> do you remember stepping into the makeup trailer? I do. I remember it so well uh, <laughs> because, like, you know, I didn't know it then, but I'm, you know, I, I came out as bisexual last year. And uh, I was lying in the makeup chair and the, the lady was like, hi, how are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I've never really, apart from video shoots and that sort of stuff, I've never really had makeup done on me. And then Ben McKenzie pulls up in the chair next to me. <laughs> so, like, I'm like crushing really hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, so we've been cute. doing that on this podcast, yes. actually. Crushing quite a very bit. hard yeah. on Ben. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I, I totally lost it because he reached over and sort of shook my hand. I was like, hey, how you doing? Oh um, but yeah, it was amazing. So and, you were um, team Ryan, I, not team Seth. <laughs> I was. And all my friends, like, as soon as we finished shoot, uh, I went back to the UK and everyone was like, oh, did you meet Adam Brady? I was like, no. I met Ben McKenzie, though. <laughs> I met Mc- <laughs> What about you, Charlotte? Do you remember that first day? Um, I do. I was thinking about the makeup trailer and I'd already done my makeup okay. because I didn't know someone would be doing my makeup. <sighs> and I'm just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I've already done it. But please, please repair it. Please like, <laughs> make it look better than what I've done. <laughs> and so, OK, so then when you go into the, the, the bait shop, right, what was that experience? It's different than shooting a video, correct? The way we shoot, um, you you can't use any sound, correct? Is that how yeah, it works? Yeah, so that's the thing that I think... Um, sort of stuck with me most was that we had to play quietly so that you guys the actors could like deliver your lines so it was like this really bizarre like thing to do but then it kind of felt like we were really you know it's obviously we're really in a tv show but kind of like we're playing playing a part playing a role we're like the band as well as being ourselves um yeah it was awesome just to see how you'd put something like that together I guess you just you don't really think about it when you watch at home but it was just really interesting to see how that came together yeah, it's a lot different and maybe not as glamorous and exciting as it actually is when you're doing it. I mean, I would imagine the first the first take, it's kind of this awkward thing. Do you? But you get to hear have the music in your ears, do you not? Okay, so at you least these you get to earbuds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
but we're just so self-conscious because we're so used to getting on stage and just making this really raucous sound like in Spinal Tap it turns up to 11 we just do that <laughs> right <laughs> especially when we were younger you know just turn everything up um so when they're like right you can't make any sound and then you have to kind of like pretend that you're in the moment and playing a gig and you're all acting really raucously so I just remember being dead self-conscious because we can hear the music no one else can hear the music <laughs> so we're kind of like dancing around on stage and I could see the the uh, extras in the front row all kind of like smirking a little bit and that made me even more self-conscious I was like oh my god um, and then you know the the actions happen happening in the back and you know all of a sudden the cameras are kind of focusing on the action and I think it's when um when Ryan grabs Volchok and kind of puts him up against the bar um, and because it was in a distance, mm. we're like carrying on. And I, I can remember Charlotte and I kind of looking at each other because the cameras weren't <laughs> on us anymore, just catching a little bit of the action in the background of the band playing. And we're like... But yeah, it was a totally like, you know, I did a little bit of acting when I left school. I did two years of theatre studies. And it's really just because I didn't want to get a job. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'll go and do theatre studies a little bit. So, um, you know, I did that and I... I I'd played, you know, I'd done some plays and that kind of thing, but it was nothing to the the extremity that like, you know, all the cameras and the lights and everything like yeah. that, that were on the show. So you said you remember meeting Ben McKenzie, you know, when you were in the makeup trailer. Do you remember meeting anyone else while you, you were there? Rachel, you. Misha? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I I can I I went home and I was I was just like, Rachel Bilson Bilson is such a sweetheart. Like Aww. she's like, you, you stayed with us. The whole day, like, oh. the whole day. I don't know if you remember, but our no, manager no, was hanging out with us. Don't take this personally. I have no memory. I don't even remember the show. I don't remember <laughs> scenes Summer did. I don't remember my storyline. So it's not a, <laughs> like nothing against anything personally. Don't worry. Every, every we once have in a while, up to us. every once yeah, in a while, I mean, she pulls out a gem. So. <laughs> but that's I'm I love hearing it, and I do remember you guys being on the show for sure. And I'm so happy to hear that you were sweet. Because <laughs> you know I'm really a bitch, so. <laughs> well, no, you've done you've done really well there. You were honest, and I'm terrible when it comes to sort of you know when fans come up to us and like, oh, do you remember me from this show in Glasgow in 2006? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. You're like, sure. You were great. <laughs> um, but no, you you were, I remember you telling us that oh, it's because Charlotte, definitely Charlotte and I, we were kind of like we really want to see how everything unfolds, and yeah. once we'd done our bit we were kind of hanging around in the back and, and and watching the fight scene. And I can remember my mind just being blown at how brilliant and how kind of visceral the acting process was. I mean, <laughs> I can remember Ben grabbing Volchek really hard and slamming him against the bar and just thinking, oh my God, <laughs> that's so hardcore. Yeah. Um, but you were chilling out with us and you're like, oh, it's so nice that you're watching the whole process. Because I remember <laughs> the killers just spent the whole day in the dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put them on blast. <laughs> Sorry if I get you in trouble with the killers. No, that's they're okay. really nice though. They're really nice. They'll they'll like they'll they'll be like, oh fine. Yeah. yeah. They'll be yeah. like, it's true. Well, you know what? I think anybody would be really enraptured with Cam Jagande and Ben McKenzie fighting. fighting. Yeah. Yeah. So they're... I would sit back and watch that any day. Right. So my Hell next yeah. my next question. <laughs> um so being on the show, how did it help you and did it hurt you in any way? I think it's been the biggest thing for us because really? it, the show yeah it's I think people ask us this quite a lot actually and we always talk about it because the show goes it's in so many different countries um and every time it kind of gets re and you get a whole 
new load of fans, people <laughs> who've not seen it before. Um, and I think out because we've always been a band, we've never had a huge amount of radio play and never had like the traditional sort of way of getting our songs out there, even kind of way back at the start. We've always had to do things kind of differently. So things like the OC have been really, really important to us. And the amount of people that say, oh, we know about you because I first saw you on the OC. So, yeah, it's been amazing for us. That's wonderful to hear yeah. because um, each generation that discovers it, I mean, it's like Kate Bush is running up that hill all of a sudden is yeah. on Stranger Things and she's making yeah. a million bucks a week on the show, on her new, on her song. Yeah, because they used it. Like, really? Yeah. And it's become, it went to the top of the billboards, I guess, or the charts, did it not? Is that something similar yeah. for you yeah. guys? Yeah, not quite. Same thing I mean, happened here. Yeah. yeah. We could definitely do with some Kate Bush money right, right. now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so great. <laughs> Oh. Well, but, and um, are you still touring today? You are, are you not? Yes. Yeah, yeah. We've just we've just finished a whole summer's worth of festivals uh, in the UK and over in Europe, um, and we're kind of taking a little bit of a break now because we're releasing some singles before we release our brand new album in January 2023, um, which has kind of been in the works for it feels like five years old to us because we started <laughs> the album before the pandemic. Oh. Um, but I, you know, we, we self produced it and. Um, it's uh, it's something that we're willing to wait for because it's I, 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 I every artist says this about every new album, but I genuinely believe this is our best. Record. Okay. So we want to give it like the time that it really deserves. Loads of bands release so many records during the pandemic. And I think it's because they didn't really want to hold on to the music. And also, I think people were desperate for art. You know, mm. um, the art scene in the UK has really suffered over the course of the pandemic. The government have been terrible at supporting artists. So um you know, uh, fans have been doing their part buying records and that kind of thing. But we were, we, we've been a bit more cagey with this album. We're like, no, we're going to release it when we can tour it. Because we're a live touring band and we love hitting the stage, like I said earlier, about turning everything up to 11. We just love bouncing around the place. So we weren't going to really present the album to people until we were absolutely sure that we could get on the stage again and, and, and rock out. So, um, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. Uh, it's our fifth record and I just can't believe we're still going. Yeah. What's the name <laughs> of the record? Uh, it's called Uncertain Joys. Um, the title came from uh, a Sarah Dixon poem that I read uh, when I was at uni. I took three years out to go and uh, read English at Cambridge and mm. I got heavily into 18th century feminist poetry. So, mm. um, you know, I read this poem by Sarah Dixon and uh, it, this poem to Strephon. Uh, it really spoke to me at that at that time and it said something about the uncertain joys of earthly delights. It's like, uncertain joys, that's brilliant. Wow. I could write a song about that. And the title track on the record uh, is, I think anyway, uh, the best song we've ever written. And I just, I'm sitting here knowing it's <laughs> months until people hear it, but I just can't wait for everyone to hear. Yeah, it's not that far away though. So in January, you'll have Uncertain Joys coming out and I can't wait for it. I'm super excited. Oh, yay. Well, listen, <laughs> Billy and Charlotte, you are both just so delightful and I'm so grateful that you came on the podcast to to talk to us and you know as we walk down memory lane and guys everyone the subways from the bait shop and the anger management yes go listen go to back their, and watch it go, again it's go watch so it again <laughs> we love your music we're, again we're so grateful that you joined us today all the way from England um, yes but thank and we you. love the podcast as well. So oh, thank you. Great, you know? The podcast is super cool. It's very thank you. Thank, thank you, so, you much. so much. We love this. Us. Is all about we're celebrating this show and everybody's um, contributions yes. and yes. something we all did collectively. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you so much. Okay. And thank you again, Subways, for joining us. Let's get into the episode. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Honey Love. Ladies, let's talk about shapewear. We all know most shapewear makes you feel like you're suffocating. That sexy dress in the back of your closet is so cute, but the thought of having your insides squished by your shapewear is just not worth it. That's why Honey Love spent years researching and developing effective shapewear that's actually comfortable. Overly tight, cheap, and sticky fabrics that roll up are a thing of the past. Thanks to Honey Love, you can finally feel confident and comfortable in your favorite outfits. And we have an exclusive deal for our listeners. For a limited time only, you can get Honey Love's best deal they offer. Get 20% off your entire order with the code OC at honeylove.com. I don't wear a lot of, um, for exactly the reasons we just said, um, shapewear because it's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and it's hard to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. But as an actress, sometimes we have to on camera, specifically because of the material, I have to wear shapewear. And my Honey Love totally makes that work. If you're looking for sculpting and smoothing from stomach to thigh, I'd recommend their Super Power Short. The Super Power Short has targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. Their Signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Okay, like you, there are definite outfits where I am a fan of shapewear. Honey Love? Okay, my biggest issue with shapewear is I pee basically every 10 minutes. They have a hole. So you can pee easily without having to strip off the shapewear. I'm sorry. That's my favorite. It's just, it's it's brilliant. And it doesn't stop there. Honey Love has more than just sculpt wear. They have incredibly comfortable bras, tanks, and leggings for everyday support. The crossover bra is the most popular bra they have. This bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. My favorite. Goodbye underwire pokes and marks. It's made with incredibly soft and surprisingly strong fabrics and features adjustable straps. We all have our favorite go-to bra, and this one will be yours. You won't even want to take it off when you get home because it's that comfortable. The quality is insane. The details are stunning, and you'll feel incredible when you wear it. Honey Love is definitely what you need in your wardrobe. Ladies, no matter the occasion, you deserve to look and feel your absolute best. Mm-hmm. Get 20% off at honeylove.com with the code OC. Calling out my honeys, you deserve this. So, we are, um, yes, the pot stirrer. Yep. Our famous pot stirrer. But um, throughout this podcast, I'm going to call her the pot stirrer slash truth teller. Or shit disturber. <laughs> <laughs> because she does say a lot of truths that are very painful, but she doesn't do it in the best way, right? While well, she's 15 or turns 15 in this episode. Right. <laughs> um, the synopsis is Caitlin stirs the pot with Marissa by going out with Johnny with the sole motive of making Marissa jealous. Seth completely spirals after being offered an interview at Brown University. Meanwhile, Sandy tries to close a big deal and Julie grows closer to Neil, throwing a birthday bash for Caitlin at his house. Directed by Norman Buckley, written by John Stevens. The original air date is January 26, 2006. Oh my gosh, we're getting to the end. Like oh. at this point, it's only one more year because we Ugh. finished in. I'm just still dreading the end of this season. Oh. I don't want to like get there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. Okay. Let's talk about. Let's do Seth and Summer first. Yes. Um. Obviously, all the brown stuff is happening. Right. Well, I mean, in the beginning, the very very first scene is that kitchen, of course, and Seth is acting so strangely that everybody, you know, when somebody's energy is so 
just so different yeah. that your whole family's like, what's up? Yeah. Yes. And he's very, very insane in this episode. <laughs> it's like he's, um, you know, he's putting coffee on his on his cereal and he's excited about this interview that he's getting, but it's kind of hitting him that he's leaving Newport, which... He's I, always wanted to leave Newport. Right. I think he's in shock because yeah. he's going, I, this has been my dream since, since I was like eight. And all of a sudden, I don't want to leave. And he's, what's going on? Like, what right. is going on trying to figure that out? Right. Which right. is understandable. Yeah, it's understandable. It's a little extreme with him in this episode. and Very much so. <laughs> you know, when Seth and Summer, they're talking about the interview in the hallway, and Summer is taking advice from her boot camp instructor. This is the most... <laughs> adorable thing I think you've ever done on this show. What? Do you want to see my face? <clears throat> oh, my war face. <laughs> <laughs> you see your, can I see your war face? My war face? I mean, I only know Summer's war face. Oh, okay. My war face is probably like deadpan and boring. Oh. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> but I love it. I wrote adorable. Girl. And you know what's Grr. so funny? I noticed they say, I forget what what's coming on this date, but she says August 25th, which is my actual birthday. Mm-hmm. And I think Josh did that on purpose. Ah, very good. If I'd have to guess. And whatever the quote is, like, you don't, or own change, don't let change own you. Uh-huh. Is that the boot camp quote that Summer gives to Seth? Something like that. Anyway, it's good advice. Right. I well, and, down. She, and he <laughs> says, you know, well, I thought it was interesting that, some, you know, as, as soon as everyone heard that he was got an interview, they said, well, what about Summer? And he was like, I didn't even think about that. Like, that's how out of it he is. And so when he sees you at school, Seth says, aren't you nervous? And she says, well, I was, but my boot camp is instructor, right? Right. right. And I, I talked to CG and I said, I, you know, what did you feel about going to school? Because she moved to Chicago. And right. I said, were you excited or nervous? She mm-hmm. said, I was excited to go. Of course, I was a little bit nervous, but she was more like Summer. I guess. I really admire Summer in this whole episode, how she handles everything. Like, if I could take my anxiety and, like, just put Summer into my body to get rid of it, like, how she handles the whole thing. Even with, like, the interview. They're in the pool house, Ryan, Seth, and Summer, and they're going over the questions that might happen in the Brown interview. And Summer, you know, like, who's the most inspirational? She's like, Mitra Prada. But, and then her explanation, she's so confident in herself and her answers, I swear, I am learning so much from her. And I need to put more of her in me because it's really admirable. Oh my gosh. I think that's so wonderful because here here you have how many kids and it, you know, I, I love the way this is written because what's interesting is Seth was, you know, he's so intelligent and he is culturally literate, mm-hmm. but Summer has, but he's not necessarily, there's certain things he's not up on, mm-hmm. like Muccia Prada, right. which I actually did look up and she is a fascinating um, character, um, fascinating human being, a, doc- right. a doctorate in political science, and then went into the family business. She's like, it's silly, but it's, I make my clothes. But, <laughs> but I thought it was really fascinating because I was like, oh, who, who pulls all, all this? John Stevens and Josh, you know, but... <laughs> Seth is doing that thing where he's trying to come up with answers that he thinks they want to hear Mm -hmm. just to get by, Mm -hmm. as opposed to this very mature thing of, I'm going to be me because I will end up with the life that I'm supposed to have. Right. Which is instead of, I just want to, instead of I'm trying to fit in everywhere, Mm -hmm. which is so limiting. Yeah. That's a very, very mature thing. Absolutely. <laughs> so she's she's well, a voice again, of wisdom. Like, how mature these kids are at times. <laughs> right. You know, it always blows us away. But 
I'm just so taken with summer and it's like therapy for me. I'm like, yes, summer. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? You're kind of like that because you like, I like, I'm kind of more like Seth. I like total preparation. Right. I like to know. So what <laughs> I'm learning and you're more spontaneous. Yes, that's true. I'm learning that if I do, I like my prep, but my prep doesn't always have to come out of my mouth. It, can, <laughs> it literally can just be, you know, that way I, yeah. you can be flexible. That's true. And just be in the moment. I mean, I'm definitely, yes, more that way of like, just fly with a seat in my pants kind of <laughs> mentality. Uh, but it's just her confidence and yeah. owning it. Who would think to go in a Brown interview and give that answer? Right, But right. Summer does. And I really respect it. And obviously, Seth is going off the rails. This is where pot comes into the picture right. for Seth. And what I think is funny is that I actually introduced Brody, not introduced him. He obviously had smoked pot before and knew what it was. But I definitely brought pot into our lives more so, I would oh, say. <laughs> I would say that, yes. Well, you know, right, right. Okay, well, we can break that open, but... Uh, <laughs> we but, can smoke that. Put it in a pipe and smoke it. <laughs> well, but he's he's having a really hard time. And I Sandy has one of his sit-downs, which I just love this conversation. And he's opening up to his dad. And I, I felt it in my bones when that phone rang and he took the phone call and yeah. Seth wanted to talk. Yeah. And it just felt like, oh. And so then he, that's when he runs into Caitlin on the pier. And right. Oh, and by the way, I talked to Norman Buckley. He, um, of course, has he's actually shooting right now, but he has so many behind the scenes about this episode. Um, and he was explaining that they cannot show anybody actually smoking pot. And isn't it interesting? So, so she never put it to her lips so you, and smoked you, it? You can, so what you see is the back of her head uh-huh. and smoke around her. Uh-huh. And then you see it in her hand. And, and then when he actually takes it and puts it in his mouth, you see it go to this, go to his mouth, mm-hmm. but they cut away before he inhales or exhales. Oh my gosh. And it was I didn't notice that. very, very tricky because he told me about it. And then I watched the episode and I was like, wait a second. He did put it to his lips. Huh. But he didn't inhale or exhale. Interesting. And then at the very end of the episode, when you yeah. see the smoke in the window, yes, you don't see him. So, okay. but we buy. I'm gonna it. have to go back and look now that yeah. I know that. Yeah, that's interesting. That was the sensors. You know, that's when they were talking about. Um, you couldn't see. That was the only time when they saw Marissa and Ryan actually smoking. The way they put it in, putting it in their mouth and actually inhaling, exhaling. Mm. There's a difference, mm. apparently. So, yeah, you know, and on that pier scene when. Caitlin's smoking and and Brody's there and then Marissa walks up. I'm like, there's no way Marissa wouldn't have smelled pot. I can smell it, you know, because we don't... Through this TV screen? <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> but, but we you know, I live at the beach and we take bike rides and it's, you know, there's it's surfers. Everywhere. And it's, you just hear, you smell it from 50 yards away. Oh my God. So I was just in Toronto working and we were in an apartment and at the same time every day, yeah. literally... The biggest cloud of smoke would come into the apartment, and every day Briar would be like, "Mom, there's that smell again." And I was like, "There are a lot of skunks in this city, Briar, <laughs> because it's um, balconies, right? Yes, and they're yes. out on the balcony, yes, and it yes, wafts yes. up, and you know, but it's, you know, it's de- it's, it's you know, it's it's, it's, it's legal, so yeah, more, it's, you know, the more whatever. It's very very distinct. But yes, and- there's no way Marissa would not have smelled that. And then later in the episode, when Ryan walks into Seth's room after he's smoking. And he sprays the air freshener. My first thought was like, Ryan's definitely going to smell that. And thankfully, he does say, what's that smell? Well, it was... Uh, and then the insert shot of the joints. <laughs> like, in case you didn't know, <laughs> this is what's happening. Oh, my gosh. Well, well, that scene, we'll jump to that, that scene. First of all, 
the first time you actually smoke pot, right? Okay, so he, so Caitlin plants the seed that you need to take the edge off. And then when he decides, you know, after the college interview, which by the way, um, Norman was telling me that that big monologue that Seth explains about his happiness and mm-hmm. what he's going to do in 10 years, that he said, first of all, he told Adam that he wanted to do it in one take, so have it memorized. And I was like, did you have to tell people to memorize their dialogue? <laughs> like, he goes, well, and he said, he did a push-in. Yeah. And he said he did a, um, he actually did the exact same thing in Gossip Girl with a scene with Leighton Meester. Really? And the episode was um, New Haven Can Wait. Uh-huh. And they did kind of the exact same thing. She was talking about a five-year plan or How something funny. like that. How funny, and yeah. that's his wife. Yeah. That's, that's really cute. I know. So where do you see yourself in 10 years? Where do I see uh, myself in 10 years? That's a good question. Okay. Uh, well, I guess more than anything, you know what I would like? I would like the happiness that I have right now. Although I guess, what are the chances of that? I mean, you go through your life and you're probably only gonna be able to look back and pinpoint like two or three times where you were genuinely actually happy. So. Well, I'm aware I lack some people's easy grace with strangers, and I don't exactly make you feel like you've known me forever, even though we just met. So anyway, they had a five-year plan. (laughs) (laughs) But then I was like, you know, so poor Seth, he's like, he's, he's such a controller and, and such an overthinker. There are no wrong answers in life, you know, with the wisdom of summer. But then when he gets to that scene where he decides to actually smoke the pot, because he thinks it's going to take the pot. Smoke the pot. <laughs> smoke the weed. You can tell I'm not a fossil. So I don't personally think that it takes the edge off. It well, can be, it can, you have a paranoid experience, You right? can 1,000% have a full-blown panic attack. The first time I ever got really stoned, I was at CityWalk, Universal CityWalk, okay? It's very crowded. There are a lot of people. There are a lot of lights. Let's just say... Maybe not the best setting the first time you get really stoned. I fully was like, I'm going to die. <laughs> More so if you eat weed, like pot brownies, you have that <gasps> that reaction. I've learned is way more anxiety-inducing. I have a story about that. Well, share. <laughs> Do share. Literally, it was after I had just finished like breastfeeding. Yeah. And my friend's birthday. And he was like, Mindy, hold these brownies for me. Because we went to a restaurant and then we <gasps> oh, went to no. the Avalon yeah. on Sunset. Yeah. And I said, well, what is it? And he was like, they're cut in the right. He said, they're pop brownies. And I was like, never had any. And he's like, they're cut in the correct shape or size or whatever. And I had them. I'm like, this is delicious. <laughs> and like, And I had two. And then you had two. And then I was like, but they were small, like this big. Uh, and the next thing you know, I was like, this isn't okay. Oh, uh, and uh, I was no. like, I feel I mean, like I'm, I'm going to sweating die. just hearing this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Edibles so, are not. Friendly. No, they're, it, I'm the. Per- <laughs> I would be exactly. Every time I smoke pot in my life, I'm I'm like Seth. I walk. I ran away. <laughs> I ran away from. So when when he finally gets to the. Um, when he finally gets to the interview and she says, and whatever you do, don't ruin it. Yeah. That's like instant paranoia. Inducing, yeah, anxiety inducing. Yeah. I wouldn't say Summer would be the best person to like talk you down. <laughs> well, the other thing is, so he, it clearly didn't take the edge off or relax him. It made him even more heady. But going back to the actual scene, Adam is so good. Why is Adam so damn good? Because at this? he's fucking Brody. He... And, and Ben he does was great this too. laugh 
in that scene with with Ryan when he comes in, you know, and he's like being stoned. And it was like a real Brody laugh. It was so cute. And he's just so good. He just, you know, you're watching him and it's not even like there's any effort. Like it's just him. And he's so talented. And so it was now I was like, (laughs) did you really smoke? That was so good. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) You probably that's what I wanted to ask you. But have you ever smoked pot at work? No, never. God, never. I've smelled it on people though. Yeah, I think I have maybe once on Heart of Dixie. Really? Maybe one. I think I did it once just to see, and I was like, I'm never doing no, that. No, again. no, no, no. This was a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. No, just even having like a slight hangover at work is the worst. Okay, so Brody okay. doesn't go do the Brown interview. And there's a, in the scene in the hallway when Summer has been in there for an hour and a half covering because he's late because he was stoned. It's so sweet, actually. She, I see, I do this thing where I go like this, I smile, and it's like a like an Ethan Hawke from um, Reality Bite Smile. I don't know if anyone gets that reference. I'm dating myself, but it's like a really quick, and it's me covering because I almost broke. And started laughing. Oh. I know. And I caught that in that moment. Because, well, you pro- you and Adam probably had a lot of giggles and munchies over the years. <laughs> giggles and munchies. <laughs> but, munchies, but, they don't go away. But it is a really sweet thing that Seth is now, he's, the audience is understanding. He's like, two years ago, my life changed with you and Summer. And I don't want that to end. That I totally understand. Sure. Absolutely. Like, yeah. this is what I want to hold on to. I'm finally happy. Maybe maybe this dream of mine that going away isn't what I want to do anymore. Right. And Ryan does a kind of sandy um, pep talk. And he's like, dude, you're the one that got up on the coffee cart. Right. You're the one that's that's changed. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there was something very sweet there. So I thought he's going to go in. But then he when he, he skedaddles. Nope. Yeah. He blows it. He blows it. Wow. So that brings me to something else that I want to talk about. Okay. Um, something I want to know how you feel about this. So the whole, obviously, Caitlin, her birthday, Julie, everything going on. There's a lot, a lot here with Marissa, Julie. There's also you and Dr. Roberts. There's a lot of things. So it's going to be her birthday. You make plans with Dr. Roberts, which, by the way, the song, I Only Have Eyes For You, is playing in the background when you sit down with Dr. Roberts in the beginning of the episode. And I was like, that's interesting, and I'm sure an intentional choice. Very sweet. At Old Tony's um, restaurant, which is still there on the pier. No way. Yeah. It's an old seafood restaurant from 1952. I want to go there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then you guys make plans for Sunday night. So when you go and you're saying, you know, you're just talking about Sunday. Like, no, what's Sunday? What's Sunday? That you forget that it's your daughter's birthday. And in that moment, I was like, I want to ask Mindy, like, how would you feel as a parent if you forgot your CG's birthday? Oh, that would have been like... Have you ever forgotten? I know. No, no. <laughs> That's but, not something you do as a parent. <laughs> my parents forgot mine. What? Yeah. And, okay, so we had a tradition that every morning at somebody's birthday, they'd put up a little banner. You'd have a little presents and... And breakfast. We always did the morning thing. And I got up in sixth grade, which is what, 12? Yeah. I guess in sixth grade, and there was nothing. <gasps> and nobody said anything. And I went to school. And sixth grade is that year that you start getting, you're kind of coming, you're, you're preteen. Yeah. Girls are slightly meaner at school. Yes. And I remember crying like everything somebody said to me, if it wasn't nice, I would just <laughs> So they didn't remember the whole morning? No, none like of my you friends school, knew. Nobody. Like I just sat there. I was totally 16 candles. Like nobody. <gasps> so, and finally, I think when I came home, my mom 
I, I think she'd remembered for later when I was like, what happened? She was like, well, I, we had to do it later, but nobody said anything to me. And she probably wouldn't remember any of this, but I do. So are you picking her up today? I think you should greet her and say, mom, what the fuck? I know. (laughs) I'm picking up the octogenarians at Union Station and going to the theater. Oh, what are you seeing? The prom at the Amundsen. Oh. The musical. Okay. I I don't know it. It's, like, it's a it's a it's a Netflix movie or no is it? But anyway. she forgot. That's so sad. It was so and you sad. still remember that? Yeah, I remember the day because I remember just hanging out with some friends or something, and they said something snide that normally you just kind of let slide. Yeah, but it was a hard day. Well, that's a trauma day. Well, and you know what was kind of interesting? So when when Julie and Neil are in that restaurant, mm-hmm. and he says, um, you know, you you didn't uh, you kind of waved me off twice what's going on. And she's like, I've got a lot going on. You know, her her girls are back in her trailer. And, you know, so for her to tap the brakes and not think about herself is like she's growing, right? right. And then she says, well, what changed? I felt something, right. which was really sweet. And then when she bursts into the trailer and she's like, we've got Thai takeout. I, have you ever seen Julie happier? No. I haven't. It's no. so sweet. It's and she's like living... your match with, with Neil is really like well, and spot I th- on. I think also and because your girls. She's, she's in the trailer with both her girls. Mm-hmm. And she probably had imagined that they're all going to hate me because I live in a trailer. When in fact, she's it's learning. Tiffany Blue. It's an at- happiness is an attitude. You can be happy in anything. Absolutely. That's why I was like, I can be happy in a tent. Well, maybe for a couple of days. But, <laughs> but yeah. then when she... Um, when this whole thing happens, all I could think was, yeah, it's the 16 Candles situation where yeah. she's like, oh my gosh, Caitlin, I'm yeah. so sorry. 16 Candles. Yeah. Yeah. Jake. Jake. Yeah. Oh, Jake Ryan. Jake Ryan. Yeah. He was a looker. Yeah. <laughs> Love me some Jake Ryan. He still is, I think. Is he? I think so. Michael Schofley, you listening? Schofling? Schofley. Hmm. Uh, oh my gosh. So, yeah. No, and then... You know, when they, when she says, we're going to do this party. And yeah. um, <laughs> I thought it was so funny when she runs in, she's like, whoa, I've been jogging. And yeah. I, I used to do um, cardio bar and Pilates and I forgot how felt, how good this feels. I got three honks, which is like <laughs> something to celebrate in Julie's world. Of course it most, is. Most women would be like, don't honk at me. I know, but you're like, oh, they still I got a few whistles and right. a few honks. <laughs> well, then I looked at it and she starts saying, she's like, she she really is um, high on um, endorphins. And she's like, I am 16, going on 17. And then I noticed that Misha was actually wearing, she looked just like Liesl in The Sound of Music. She literally, I noted that too. I was like, they literally have her in a proper, like Austrian, <laughs> <laughs> traditional folk top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. So Caitlin is such a little shit disturber, this episode. Yes. Everything going on with Johnny, really trying to get to Marissa and it's working. Right. So the phone rings and Marissa sees that it's Johnny. Yeah. And automatically assumes it's for her because Johnny's like, oh, well, I just called on Caitlin's phone. Are you calling for Caitlin? And, you know, he says, no, actually, I was calling for you. So it's, it's so hard because it goes back and forth. You know, what's interesting about Caitlin is and I think this is, we, all of our characters, our regulars have been somewhat, you know, they're established. So when you have a brand new character, she has, every time you get in a scene, when she talks to, to first when she talks to Seth, when he, she was smoking pot, she says, can you imagine 
growing up with a sister like Marissa. She tells her kind of angst to Mm -hmm. everyone who listened. Mm -hmm. She tells it to Johnny. Mm -hmm. She tells it to Seth. Mm -hmm. She tells it to, I mean, she, she tells how painful it's been. I wondered if they forgot about me. The one day that they paid attention to me was my birthday and they forgot. Right. So she's really hurting. Yeah. And then you add in sister um, competition, which is really intense. Like some sisters can be really, really I have, yeah. Best friends who, you know, the little sister was always, you know, had a hard time because the older sisters got the attention from the boys and whatnot. And I get it. I mean... Well, and also remember, so last time we saw Caitlin or she was around, she she was a girl who was involved with her pony. and Her a, hairless pony. Yeah. And she had her own life and her world. And then now she's kind of back and she's had to compete with all kinds of Marissa's, let's say, at boarding mm-hmm. school. And also right. that everybody gives so much attention to her. So right. there's so many dynamics going on. Yeah. And also that she's... Marissa acts so surprised, like, who is this girl? I don't know my sister. And I'm like, just a couple years ago, you were doing some pretty shady shit, Marissa. Yeah, you think? And and <laughs> she says she knows she's Julie's daughter. So she's going to be this, she shouldn't be so surprised that her daughter's kind of conniving. Right. I mean, her sister's her sister. conniving, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's so shocking. And so you throw a party at my house, because uh, Neil offers it to you. Right. And you Which, you invite her pony club. The scene where Kirsten and Julie are talking. Yeah. And first of all, I don't know what the fuck I was wearing. That is my least favorite. Oh, when you're outfit. talking and you're talking about remodeling the house and stuff. Yeah, it's this. <laughs> it's basically like um, resort wear, but it's, it's like rust a, color and gold. And yeah. so you know what? A simple thought I thought about was like here Julie is being all humble, living in a trailer, and now she's actually remodeling the house and looking at the silver. Yeah. And I'm like, you can take the gold off the girl. But <laughs> you can't take the gold digger out of the girl. Because <laughs> right? she had to sell her jewelry. Yep. And now she's like... Oh, yeah. There's you the haven't old- even kissed, but you're remodeling the house. Well, I got to respect it. There's the old Julie. <laughs> we haven't seen her in a while. We haven't seen gold her Gold digger. It's good to see her. Good to see her. <laughs> um, but yeah, you have this party... So, and obviously, you know, Caitlin invites Johnny and the pony club's there. And I'm like, this is a massive house. Caitlin brings Johnny to Summer's bedroom to kiss him. I'm like, why are you in my room? Yeah, yeah. Go in one of the 25 other rooms. I have to contaminate this one. Because that's the set they had, right? I know why. Yeah. (laughs) I know, right? Don't, don't. Don't be Don't contaminate my bedroom. Now, Norman was telling me shooting at that house. First of all, do you remember this? He said that Tom Arnold owned it. But I, do you think, I think before we shot there, because I I remember, I thought we talked to the, um, the owner. He must have owned it before we were shooting there. Okay. But, but it was an interesting house. It was like off Canaan or something, right? Right. It's a, it was a beautiful house for the outside and for that foyer. Right. And then the pool itself. But the rest of it was, he said it was really tricky to shoot in because it huh. was very elaborate. It's always a little harder when you're shooting in a real house as opposed to a set. Because sets, you can move walls. <laughs> right, right. Real houses, there's limitations. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, this this other thing that Julie's forced Marissa or asked her, you know, I need you to help set up. And I think Marissa would be very happy to have done this, except that, sorry, when she invited her out, we skipped that part. Um, she said, sorry, I have plans. And then she shows up with Johnny to the bait shop. Yep, where Marissa said they were going. 
Yeah. Right. And she says, you know, so there's two things. She Outwardly, she says, first of all, that's my friend and you're hanging out with my sister and clearly you're 17 and she, she's 14. I understand that. But I guess I have to put myself in Marissa's shoes because at first I was like, or is she really jealous? And she doesn't know it. I mean, I think she, there's, she's definitely jealous. But there is also something wrong with like, if this is a good friend of mine who all of a sudden started hanging out with my little sister, I guess there could be a reason to, there's that too, but she's, is that an excuse? Yeah. I mean, I had that when I was, when I was younger. You know, they're talking about 14 and 17 and she turns 15 in the episode. It's not that big. When I was 14, my boyfriend was 18. He was also my brother's best friend. Okay. Ooh. So it did happen. Sorry. I, when I was 17, I dated a 27 year old, but look at you. I mean, I'm sure you dated over. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I had a few wide gaps in my time. But that didn't last. Moving right really along. Quick. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yes. yes until yes. I was like, why? And then actually with the 27-year-old, I was like, at some point, I'm like, there's something wrong with you. I'm 17. 17. You need to find somebody else. Go away. I like, know. It was somebody I worked with. And then, you know, anyway. There's all these things going around about Leo DiCaprio right now, how he... <laughs> Only dates. He dumps them after they turn 27. Yeah. He, and he starts over at 22. Hey, yeah. the guy knows what he wants. Yeah. He knows what he likes. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But they're saying it's not true, right? But that's just the... <sighs> but in any case... That's the theme going around. <laughs> but in any case, yes. And and Caitlin is just milking it that Marissa has to sit there and, and she's in her bikini and she's acting very, you know, just... a. How do you say it? She's acting very um, coquettish. coquettish or something. She's mm. flirting with Johnny and doing yeah. it all in front of her. Of course. And Marissa's just like, ah. Uh. This also, in this episode, Marissa and Ryan could not be more disconnected. Right. And it's like, I'm like, are they, are they even together? Like, what's the, you know what I mean? Like, it's so, it's so disconnected with them. And they even like, you know. They show them in the picture together. And I think it's intentional that it's like they're clearly not vibing. Right. Because I don't think they are at all. You know, it, yeah, there's something, it, there's so much going on because this is why I'm saying truth teller. When Caitlin keeps throwing these, tr you know, when she, first of all, well, okay, let's go back to your bedroom. So she's up in the bedroom and she asked Johnny for a kiss, mm -hmm. which was, you know, that in itself, I was asking Norman, I was like, Ryan Donahue, was 20, he's your, or I think your age. Oh, is he? Um, born in 1980. I'm 81. 81. So he would have been like 25 or something okay. while we were shooting this. And she, and how she was, old was She really Willa? was 15. Oof. So I was asking Norman like. Wait, how is that? Is that allowed? Yeah. So he said, you know, it's so clinical on a set. Yeah. Kissing and romantic scenes and everything. And then they have, now they've even taken a step further with these sensitivity. Um, these intimacy co coordinators. Co yeah. Did you have that? I haven't done anything. Since, okay. Because that's only Can I thing. tell you, the job I just did, mm -hmm. I had to have a phone call with an intimacy coordinator. Now, there's, like, one of the stage directions was he looks at her cleavage. We literally had to have a conversation about that, and I had to be asked if I wanted her on set for that scene. Oh, wow. It's like that, it's that extreme. Yeah. Which is new. I'm like, I've never, I've never experienced. Huh this before, you know? And then there was like a kissing scene, but it was like barely anything. And, you know, hmm. do you want me there for that? They're like, 
there was a scene like, you know, just showing me like putting lotion on my legs. Do you want me there for that? Like, it's pretty interesting yeah. because obviously it was nothing even close to that. Right. Interesting. When we were doing this show. No, I I mean, that's, I think what's, it's, it's a business. And like Norman said, it's clinical, mm-hmm. but it's still, you know, we're trying to, with Me Too and everything, we're trying to make sure that people are protected. Yeah. So um, it yeah. might feel like it's a little overkill, but... In, I mean, look, we, we know because, why it's there. And I think there's certain circumstances where absolutely it's needed. It was just kind of crazy, like the level yeah, of Yeah, because extremity. we are used to something <laughs> entirely different. Like we, yeah, we they're accepted, like, listen, put these pasties on, go right? jump on that guy and get it over that, with. <laughs> you know what? That is what I was told when I had to do some, you know, show some skin when I was younger. It was like, you know what? It's just easier if you're just brave and don't care. Like that's, and you you have, you adopt that. But I would think that for younger people coming up in this industry now, <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to see that now, but. As, but <laughs> I think there's plenty of people that want to see that now, Mindy. <laughs> Only fans. Just kidding. <laughs> <gasps> you should join. <laughs> my God. I think you could make so much money. Oh my gosh. I saw this thing with Denise. Um, what's her name? Denise Richards? Richards. Yeah. That she makes, somebody was saying she makes like 700,000 a month doing it. Mindy, I don't, like, no. talk to Adam about it. I feel like OnlyFans, I'm not even kidding. Julie Cooper on OnlyFans? I mean, come on. I'm not even That's kidding. That's what Julie Cooper's doing right now. Listen, that in, is so in line with your character. Just do it as your character. Oh my God. And that's how you can get away with it. Okay, this is the reboot Josh is looking for. Hold on. I'm so serious. Mindy, it would be so successful. I, I feel like Adam would support it. In character. Don't you think Adam would support it? If you could, I'm sorry. Adam would be like, fuck yes, Melinda. (laughs) Get out there. Show it all. Oh my gosh. He he probably would, actually. Uh, We're going to talk about this later. (laughs) Well, okay. So now that we've heard from people, you know, in the press, how, how, how exploited they felt in the early 2000s and during that time, yes, we've grown. Yes, we've got better. No, it's not overkill. So that being said, you know, um, when when Caitlin comes down from the, her bedroom, mm-hmm. your bedroom, mm-hmm. and Marissa wants to confront her because now, of course, Ryan's told her about the pot. First of all, Ron, um, Norman said, this is just a little side note, that that scene, they had taillights by 730 and they literally shot that scene in 15 minutes. Yeah, and I was that, like, he said that was Buzz Feitchens. Do you say Feitchens or Feitchens? Buzz was our DP. Anyway, that was... We say, I was we love like, Buzz. <laughs> how do you shoot a scene in 15 minutes? Like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, crazy. But when she races out to get her, she's like, you know, you may not know me, Marissa, but I know you. Mm. Everyone can see that you like him. And Misha had some wonderful facial expressions. Mm-hmm. She was like, whoa, like yeah. what? It's like, she's not just defending. She's like, she actually is considering it. Yeah. And our, so the audience is now confused. Like maybe yeah, she yeah, does. Yeah. And then when Ryan's going to take her home, she's like, no, I want to walk. How fucking far do you think she has to walk from Summer's house to the trailer park is what I want to know. Yeah, well, you, you know, she goes to her, like, her um, lifeguard. Oh, she goes to the lifeguard tower. Her thinking tower. We're going to say that it's right across the street. Well, there's a lot of that because in my mind, I was thinking the Coens live in Pelican Cove and to get to the pier, you'd never just walk from, his, you know, he says, I'm going to take a walk. He, he, that means he'd have to drive and then go to the pier. He can't just walk to the, to the pier from well, where they Well, in the live. OC, you can walk Yeah, anywhere. you can do that. In, in OC world. Okay. So, so, yeah. So, that happens. This is all happening. I think we can sum it up now. Wrap up the episode a bit. Oh, wait. We did forget about the... Um, we should mention the Sandy... The uh, 
before we, the very end, um, that Sandy is getting the hospital that he inherited from Caleb. Oh, right. And, which Newport, is actually a big deal. Yes. Newport and, Laguna Medical Center. Yeah. And uh, he doesn't want to have to wine and dine. He wants to do it on principle alone. Yeah. And do you remember, so the actor that played Bill Merriman, his name is Robert Picardo. You're very familiar. I looked him up because um, one of my favorite movies when I was younger, it's yeah. Inner Space yeah. with Dennis Quaid yeah. and Martin Short, uh-huh. where he's a little thing that goes in and it's in his body. Yes. Uh-huh. And make, <gasps> I, I remember that movie. He was the cowboy in the movie. And I just love that movie. If you ever, this is for all. I totally remember that movie. Inner Space. It's so cute. I haven't so even cute. heard, like thought about it, anything in probably, you know, 30 years or it's whatever. It's so cute. That's crazy. But this gentleman has over 242 acting credits. Wow. Which is a lot. A lot. Because if you look, I mean, he just never stops working. No, I never. have like 10. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, so he's, um, you know, they're trying to, I mean, basically they end up instead of just trying to impress him with what they're going to do, he has to give in and do it Matt's way. And Matt calls his lady friends from the strip club and <laughs> turns his, he says, turns it into a grotto playboy, his apartment into that. And ultimately <laughs> he's like, you're looking out for me. I'm going to look out for you. Right. And you got the hospital. Right. And poor Sandy is so conflicted compromised and feels so icky. But I'm like, you know, it did, it did feel icky, didn't it? Yes. When you watch it? Yeah. But then, you know, I thought about that and I was like, Hollywood is icky. Have you ever like, you know, when oh. you go out and you see there's so many like executive types or people that are out like in pa- positions of power yeah. with all the little 20 somethings. And I was like, it's it's kind of the way the business works. Yep. Unfortunately. Yeah. It's not it's not a cozy, warm, comforting place. But you know, so some jobs can be though. It I think we're trying. I think we're trying to to I mean, that that the way you act at a club is not okay to act in uh in a workplace. No. <laughs> or or anywhere, right? I don't know. The way you act at a I'm club saying. is how you should act throughout your life. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's for clubs. I don't know. I haven't been in a club in years. So Mindy's really fun in a club, though. I've been. I've been. I feel like you could act that way on OnlyFans. <laughs> Those days are over. <laughs> I don't think so. They're just beginning. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, so so Sandy feels icky, and thus starts this. You know, he doesn't tell Kirsten how he got the hospital um, because she said, you know, you'll be able to persuade him. But you know, so the song um, Insomnia by Electric President Plays. And Norman, I thought this was a beautiful montage Mm -hmm. where you see everyone's Mm -hmm. feelings and, you know, Sandy feels icky. Ryan looks, you picked up on it. He looks a little frustrated. Yeah. Marissa, Caitlin got locked out of the trailer somehow. Yeah. Seth's smoking more weed. Seth's smoking (laughs) the weed. Julie, very sadly. Oh, that was the other thing. I'm sorry. That, you know, remember, so they... Because Dr. Roberts over oh, right. hears Marissa saying, I can't fix this family. Right. Or, we have bigger problems than this. Yeah. And why would you make her leave? And she blames her and all that kind of stuff. So he's like, yeah, we're taking it a little too soon. Yeah, he's like, we, yeah. Yeah. He kiboshes it. Also, the world's largest birthday cake. That is the craziest thing. I mean, it's art. Very large. Art department really got into it. It was like this tall. With it was frosting. enormous. Yeah. 
So um, and Summer's all excited. She all tears brown, out all she the tears brown. out all the like history, science, like all the. She's like, nope. <laughs> There's <laughs> them all out of the booklet. <laughs> so I like her ways. Yeah. I do. I like Summer's ways. Norman said that uh, he loved this montage and he loved the whole app that there was just a very, the, the episode was meant to feel melancholy. Mm. It wasn't meant, you know, some episodes are really, mm-hmm. yay, we freed Marissa and everyone's back together. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, it's like we have this ebb and flow and this episode, there's, you know, we want, the audience to have this melancholy and that he said as a director he would not have changed a thing wow i was like interesting yeah yeah because usually you'd go back and say you know maybe i could have done this or that so right yeah so cool yeah so that is the app you guys that is the potster oh wait one more little one more little thing that i noticed remember when you and um marissa were looking at photos in the beginning That's a picture of me and CG with her chubby little cheeks. Oh, how cute. The very first photo. Yeah. Yeah. CG was the cute. I can't even. (laughs) Yeah. She looked like a cute doll. Smush that face. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Okay. There we go. There we go. That was the potster or the truth teller. Yeah. Do we have voicemails? Hi there. My name is Warren. I'm calling from Buena Park, California, which is technically in Orange County, but it's not like the OC OC. Uh, I'm a longtime listener, first time caller. Uh, I love the show. I, I watched it when it first came out, but I actually stopped in the middle of season two. So I'm watching along with you guys with my girlfriend and we actually have no idea what's going on because she's never even watched the show until now. Uh, my question is if, I don't know if you guys would know the answer to this, but were there any talks about re- replacing the cast with the younger cast that came in? Because we're watching along with you guys season three, episode 13, like right before the cliffhanger episode. And then we get introduced to Caitlin and Caitlin's boyfriend, who's Jasper from Twilight. Uh, you see all these fresh new faces, even Johnny and Chili. My girlfriend doesn't care much for the Johnny character, but I mean, I actually <laughs> did. Seeing Johnny stand next to Ryan, it's just like, how can Ryan be a sympathetic protagonist after Johnny? You know, Johnny's even a little too sympathetic. So I don't know if you guys would know the answer to this, but I'd like to know your thoughts that, you know, about replacing the cast with. Specifically, I think Caitlin would have been a good connecting character to have us connected to the original core four. Yeah. Were there any thoughts about continuing the show, maybe a new, another season with a fresh new cast? Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. And we're so excited that you and your girlfriend are watching that's, along. That's just the way to do it. And yes. Uh, we do say spoilers sometimes, so I apologize in advance. Spoilers. But we do warn you. <laughs> well, you know what? I actually thought about this. So we're so from a writer's point of view in this episode. And first of all, we don't I don't know none of us really know what was discussed in the writers room unless you were to ask that, um Josh that question specifically. Yeah, I'd have to ask Josh, but but I'm sure so at this point they have to think about either ending the show or going on to the next season, they have to be willing to do anything because the show isn't technically picked up for the fourth season until a certain point. Um, they, I don't know if they were planning on the Marissa character leaving at this point. Um, I didn't, I'm not trying to spoil it too much, but I also thought it was interesting. Like how they probably thought, how do we keep Seth in Orange County? Like, well, so he doesn't go to Brown next year. Why do they want to keep him in Orange County? For the next year. Because, See, I I'm mean, like you guys. I don't know what happens. 
Well, because if summer goes away and I mean, it's an interesting thing. I don't know. They probably, it's an interesting, let's keep him in Orange County, but summer gets into Brown. So there's different ideas there. Like this was a good way to keep him in Orange County. Mm -hmm. He he didn't. um, Right. There's, and it's a good storyline for that. Now, clearly bringing in Caitlin, I think they bring her on for an idea and it worked so well that they keep her. They brought Autumn on. It worked so well that they keep her. Um, but I would say there was probably discussions of can, maybe if there was a world of continuing with a younger class and with Caitlin being the lead and stuff. I, you're, you're probably absolutely right. You know what? That you, I would, wouldn't doubt that they had that conversation. I can confirm that for you, Warren. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to ask Josh Schwartz about that. But I would say yes. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I think even talks about if it were to ever have another life, there'd be another younger cast mm-hmm. that would have to be Kirsten and Sandy's kid. Right. You, you had a kid too? Yes. And Julie's They're the kid. same age. Same age. Like that would be the probably class yeah. now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would say there was probably most definitely talks of that. Yes. And he, <laughs> he's, he's my only fans manager. He's my kid. No, just kidding. Julie. She she's into it, you guys. No, that's Julie Cooper. Yeah, well, you're gonna do it as a character <laughs> if you look at it that way. It's happening. Okay. Thanks for your question and everything. Is there a real reason why Kathleen is so attached to Johnny? Is she jealous of Marisa and her relationship with Johnny, or is she really in love with him? I would say it all has to do with her sister. Yeah, I mean, I don't think she's known him long enough to have developed. No feelings. I think she's super motivated to get at her sister. Yes. But then I question, why is Johnny actually hanging out with her? Well, he also is trying to get at her sister. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, yes, this is all about Marissa. Yeah. And I don't think at this age... Oh, really quick, the last question. Sorry, when his girlfriend doesn't care for Johnny, I was like, well... Oh, <laughs> most people didn't. Sorry. I don't. I, yes, you guys aren't watching it. I hope we didn't spoil it, but we anyway. So sorry for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, but we didn't talk specifics, did we? I don't. Anyway, I probably did. But yes, no. Caitlin is <laughs> she. She doesn't care no, about his feelings I, right yeah, now. She's all no. self centered. Yes, and she's out to get Marissa. She's got resentments, and she doesn't know what to do with them. Yep. My question is. Did Adam actually smoke the joint in this episode or was it like a prop? Yes, he smoked the joint in the... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, well, Mindy talked about you can't actually smoke on... Well, I think he's, she's asking if, he, if he actually smoked pot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. I don't know if he did. I wish I had a better memory, you guys. Oh, it's terrible. I wouldn't I, put it past him to be like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> but no, I, I don't know that he did. Yeah. I've I've had producers give me alcohol when I was younger to do a sex scene. Oh, I had to take a shot of tequila before I made out with Hayden for the first time on Jumper because I was Uh so nervous. I think we both took a shot of tequila. Yeah. Anyway, but um, yeah, I don't, we we don't have proof of that. No, (laughs) no proof. But he sure acted well or he he knew how to act with it. So, How different would the episode play out today in today's kind of climate and the feelings that people have about pot maybe changing over the past, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. I uh, just wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Thank you. Yeah, I've thought about that too. Because like all the, oh my God, he's smoking pot. It's like, okay. Because I was so glad that it wasn't a 
Just Say No episode. Oh, it, it God. Was, it wasn't— What what show uh, did that? Was it like Saved by the Bell or someone that was— yeah. Was it Saved by the Bell? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where it's just like, oh, my God. The more you know and all that kind of— You know, it was yeah. more like, no. look, it wasn't— You know, I did it once, and then Ryan pointed out, like, yeah, but you're doing it like this. So it didn't become a big, huge deal, but we haven't seen the next episode, so— but I don't know. I mean, I guess the whole idea, we were just talking about this, that it was technically still illegal back then. Right. No, so yeah, much so, so that it would be slightly different. But but it's still underage. Pot smoking is still going to be, I think it would have been handled kind of similarly. Right? Just yeah. kind of the same. We didn't kind of do overkill on the show. We didn't do overkill. And like Seth's parents are super cool. So it's like. Yeah. Although they would have smelled it. You can't keep it out. Oh, yeah. I mean, but in I feel like Sandy would handle it like. Yeah, really he would well. have handled it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Berkeley. They went to Berkeley. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Although I know that there's a. I know. I know parents that smoke with their kids at Oakwood and grow with their kids sure. at Oakwood. That's it's a very. Definitely different. Ho- yeah. Hollywood, LA thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Thank you for all your questions. Thank you for all of your questions. Is that it? That's it. It's so great to see you in person. I know. I'm sorry you've been gone so long. That's okay. That's okay. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Follow, rate, and review. Welcome to the OC Bitches wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like to watch us, check it out on YouTube. Bye, bitches. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.